Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. He had a dirty knife and a folding table. God, I just sounded like Stifra's mom. <laughs> and I'm taking the damn dogs. <laughs> what? What? God, how did I make that funny? Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Friday we're recording this week, and uh, normally we record on a Saturday, but you don't know out there in listener land what day we record on, so it was quite silly for me to even mention it. <laughs> God, can you hear the tippy taps of Sissy coming up the hallway? Can hear the tippy taps. Get out, mate. Sissy, what are you doing? Get her, Sissy. She's found a dildo. She's got a new dildo. Jeez. Louise. Oh, she loves it. I don't have any food. Don't look at me like that. Eat your dildo. Chew on it. Go on. (laughs) You know you want to. We all want to at the end of the day. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome to Chicks 3, the podcast about chicks in history. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm Annie. That's Evie. I've just woken up. What are you do doing to me? Did look you, at me. you, you have a good up. look at me. Look oh. at how red I am. Lucky good this is morning. this is not television. Good morning. <laughs> Lucky this isn't a a phone with a video on it. One day they're going to invent phones. I swear to God, you'll be able to see each other when you talk. Imagine that. I swear to God, I predict the future. One day there'll be a box that you put food into a and box. you press some buttons and then it comes out and it's cooked. <laughs> Do you remember on the Jetsons when they they used to cook their food in a box <laughs> and you press the buttons and it'd come out and every it's a microwave. And we oh. were like, oh my God, imagine just putting oh. food into a box oh, and pressing never buttons heard and having food cooked. Do you remember um, back in time for dinner, the English version of it I used to watch and mm. it's brilliant. Oh, they're all brilliant but the English one went through to the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when the microwave came in yes. and it was so good because they, ha- you know, you obviously have to just follow the instructions of production like okay you're in the 80s you have to only this is the tv you use now and but it comes with a seagull and it comes with an atari you know that kind of thing so the kids were kind of like oh this is fun this is novelty until then they have to play it and they're like oh my god this is so basic (laughs) but the um the kitchen you know is set up as well yes and so she's been given a, a brand new microwave that no one else in the time, like only the really rich people have got it. Yeah. Their husbands brought it home like, you're never going to believe what I've got, this microwave. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, Jesus, here we go. But, you know, really excited as an 80s family. Well, she had to f- cook everything in it. Right. <laughs> so she was like, oh, God, this is awful because we know now you can't cook an entire chook. You can, 
but you shouldn't. You can. And most housewives gave it a really good red hot go. And I know she, my mum did. Yeah, everyone did. So she had to go through that <laughs> as a young mum who wouldn't have oh, so ever cool. done that, like would never put the things that, that they did put in the microwave in the microwave in. It was yeah. so disgusting, this chicken that came out white, cooked, of course. Oh, like but, it was um, broiled. Yeah, broiled chicken and hard in bits and soft in other bits. And oh, God. Yeah, it, no, it's still it still has a long way to go. The microwave and we've kind of um, we've kind of let it. We've we've walked away from it, don't you think? It's just a reheater now. It's a reheater. It's absolutely just a reheater. And I remember my mum having a cookbook, a microwave cookbook, yeah. and we used yeah. to like go, well, "What are we going to make out of the microwave cookbook?" And I think Mum also had bought like all of the 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 pot, you know not what are they like the dishes and the cooking dishes and stuff like they're yeah. not pot pans but you know what I mean yeah the microwave safe dishes microwave safe dishes and then um we we cooked we used to cook cakes and yes, you know the, with the middle she had to follow that and she got given all the cookware yeah <laughs> yeah we, and the and cake she had the thing in the middle middle in yes. the middle so we don't have cakes cook. yeah. <laughs> I actually am a big fan. I was a big fan, especially over lockdown, um, of making the one cup chocolate oh, cake. Yeah. yeah, you are. Which was so good and it's so easy to make. And you yeah, just get I, a bit of flour, a bit of cocoa, don't, don't, bit of you can put an egg in it, you don't have to, a little bit of milk, stir it up, don't tell pop it me. in the microwave. Don't tell me. Add some and then it comes out don't like tell a, me. like fudgy and like oh Yep, don't tell me. Don't. You pop some ice cream on it. I don't need to know. I don't need to know these things. These are the things. These are the things. Oh, good. I don't need to God, know how good. easy things like that are <laughs> because living alone, it's not a good idea. I have those ingredients. I don't need to know. <laughs> because when when it's eight o'clock at night, high risk. <laughs> It's I got a high risk memory. I'll tell you right now. There are things that mine starts to go. Oh, I remember these. I, oh, I've got a mug. I've got a bit of this. <laughs> that's totally it. It oh, is. Oh, that's um, funny. There was something I showed you the other day about it looked like a souffle, an oat. Yes. Was it? Um, oats something on. And that was another reason why I don't have an air fryer because on TikTok, the guy that sang everything for some reason, what I'm putting in the air fryer today he's putting in a cheese sandwich and then it would come out oh my god so well I'm gonna put in today something chicken something and there's something with something and I was like everything he put in that air fryer I was like well I don't need an air fryer because everything was great but not needed in my guts no, no, they're da- I think they're dangerous. They're dangerous. Um, I think they're dangerous. They dangerous. They'd be I mean, dangerous not in the way me. that they're going to blow up in your face, but no, not dangerous, that dangerous in your just in your. Let's not let's not eat that much food. Let's not eat there. So last week we um we we talked about your riddle and Natalie. Oh, the riddle came again. Up. A nat nat. She came up with um her the backyard. Yeah, her take backyard. on it. Yes, and bless her. She and just, I don't think it's that simple. Okay, well, listen, we've got a few people, a few more people have, have written in to <gasps> us. 
They've DM'd Good. us. That means we, that people um, are listening. Okay, first of all, we ran a poll on our stories to ask oh. if you listen to this week's podcast, do you think Natalie has solved it? The results are in. I did um, vote in that. 33% say yes oh. and 67% say no. Mm, that's mm. a good poll because now, it's in my flavour. love Natalie to bits, think she's great. And but she's she's asking she's she's she sent you a message and I told Has you she? again told you again not to look at the Instagram DMs. Okay, now listen, she's <laughs> she's she's challenged you. Oh, good. Okay. Come on. First of all, she says, "Girl, <laughs> you made me spit my coffee just casually listening to Chickstery as I do on a Thursday. Thank you." Oh. And bam, you dropped my DM. I felt like I was in the 90s and my call had finally gotten through to the radio announcer. I was squealing oh, yes. like I was 13 again. You made my day. Yes. Anyway, back to the riddle. Love her. Yes. Um, I, I do I do understand that, Natalie. I was in the 80s and would squeal like that if, oh, if I heard gosh. my, yeah, yeah. Love song dedications. Love song dedications. And you had to be over 18. I remember I rang that line once and you had to be over 18. I think I was doing a song How for. How did I police that? Well, they ask you what your date of birth is and I didn't think ahead. And oh, I couldn't no, do. they got you. Know, you. You know us and our maths. I mm. couldn't do the maths, so I had to hang up. And I didn't <laughs> get to do my song to Mark Maxwell. What, what was the song? Oh, I don't remember. It was probably something like, God, it was probably like. Because that's important. You must remember the song. God, there were so many love song dedication songs at that time that were gone around. I All don't right, remember well, Mark, exactly which one it was. Hang on. Oh, we've got Annie on the phone now. Hi, Annie. How are you? What's your song for tonight? <laughs> oh, hi. Um, I'd like to dedicate a song to Mark Maxwell. Richard Maxwell? That's me. No, what? Mark Maxwell. Oh, that's my son. Mark Maxwell, this is a song's coming at you. What's the song, Annie Potatoes? How do I know your nickname? I don't know. What? <laughs> Anyway, move, moving on to back to Natalie. There are a few flaws in Evie's telling of the riddle. Mm, I look, I have to agree with that. As it's not consistent. It's the biggest mm. mystery being, did he walk out or step out? Mm. To walk mm. out implies distance. To step mm. implies smaller distance. If he mm. took the three steps in a right turn, he'd still be at his front door but facing the left from where he began. Thank you for making my mind work and for bringing a challenge and happiness to my day. I love your work. Oh, Nat, Nat, you're amazing you're, and you're welcome. I'm glad I make your brain work because my brain's just fallen over. Um, okay, first of all, I'd like to say that when I heard the riddle, I was in mm. a training thing. The yeah. teacher was the one that did the riddle. So it was a five-day training thing. It was He would tell us a riddle every day. Mm. This was one riddle that he told us on the last day. Normally he'd tell us or someone would 
know the answer or guess the answer. So that's how that worked. This one had us all perplexed in the class and everyone kind of gave up really easily, but you know me. And I just kept throwing out answers to him. And even when we weren't doing the riddle anymore, (laughs) he got so annoyed with me. But that's why what Natalie says is there's, you know, inconsistencies in my telling in my defense, I don't know the answer. So my telling of it is is 20-year-old recollection of yes. the guy Fair saying enough. it to me. And I threw everything at him. Oh, did he turn right? Like did he walk or did he just turn? Like I bet what? you would have. Yeah. yeah I absolutely yeah. interrogated this man. And to be fair, he was a dickhead. So he mm-hmm. he deserved mm-hmm. it. But he just wouldn't give me anything and I did actually say to him, well, he's home, he's home and he's in, he's in you know, and I gave all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. The closest mm-hmm. I ever got mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. was thinking he's on a baseball oval. Um, what do you call that? A baseball ground. Like, yes. Um, so that he'd, he'd run to the first, run to the second, run to and then he's home because they call it home when you get to the home plate. That's as close as I got, but I threw that out and he said no. Oh, because funny you say that, Ali has also DM'd us and Ali oh, says hi, Ali. Uh, that there is, a, there is a riddle about a person leaving home, turning left, turning left, turning left, then he's at home base as it's a baseball reference. Yeah, okay. So it might be that one. Maybe he didn't know, you know, after all this time, he may Maybe have fudged he- it. Yeah. He's fucked himself and he's n- not wanted to because, as I said, he was a dickhead. So this is starting to make more sense now. I reckon he's thrown out something that he got wrong, realised he had it wrong and didn't want to admit he'd said it wrong and <laughs> he's just said no to every answer that anyone gave him. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. That? Maybe. So, maybe he just, Yeah. This whole thing is irrelevant. I like the baseball one. And then we yeah. also got a couple of like he, uh, that he's just turned in a circle. So he's just done, because we don't talk about how, so distance. So going back to Natalie's thing about distance, we don't, we're just saying he turned and then he turned and then he turned. So he's basically just turning in a circle, right? So he's yeah. back where he started. Because all of it, all of it said to mm. me is mm. he, l- a man walks out his front door, he turns right, turns right, turns right again, and he's home. Where is he? Well, he's at mm. home. Mm. 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 And he definitely said front door. Well, well. yes. <laughs> That's what he did say, allegedly. Allegedly. Um, I would ask that him in my recollect the receipt. In my recollection. Yes. I can still remember him standing. I can still remember where we were in Ultimo. That's where the training centre was. I can remember where, what the were way you we being sat. trained on. Oh, <laughs> you know, working in corporate or anything like just it's just such oh, a I wank. Do. Oh, I do. And you <laughs> know, I've done a million thirty years jobs. of my life. Yeah. Do you remember I used to work at Kinkos? Yes, I do. Yes, was it for them, Brookvale. Brookvale, well, I had to go and do a five-day training thing every day in Ultimo. Customer service? 
Yeah, something like that or managerial like they were like, yeah. you know, you need. Oh, I think it was simply, <laughs> simply a, you work at Kinko's. It's an induction week. <laughs> an induction oh. week. A whole week of how to open a ream of paper. <laughs> I do remember we were paid to do it, mm. but we were paid less than we would be if we were working. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Which yeah. I kicked up a stink about, of course, oh, I because bet you did. I had to get the bus there, you know. It's not like just going down the road to Brookvale in my car. You know, my, my brother. Um, Hyundai XL. Yeah, that's it. My brother and I have this ongoing joke because the, um, the I think it was our next door neighbour got a new job and she was you know we were like teenagers I was probably 12 or 13 and she's and my brother was like oh did you hear Mariana got a new job and I was like really oh that's great where what is she doing and oh she's at um she's working at the local um, fish and chip shop down the road and I went right and Mark goes yeah and she even gets to use the cash register (laughs) so we've just got this ongoing joke that every time Either of us gets a new job. We say, but do you get to use the cash register? <laughs> That's a big thing, wasn't it? It was such yeah. a big thing. Get, having a job like such that. A big so thing. I can understand that you probably did a whole oh. day just on using the cash register. <laughs> we did. And it was more cash. digital for these, you know, for it was about yeah. 2001. So, yeah. you know, um, the... Well, yeah, it was 20 years ago. We, you know, as you know, I had, we had a, a corner store growing up. So we were, mm-hmm. you know, lived out the back of the shop. Oh. I had a cash register. I was never allowed to touch it. Yeah, no. Because I was a child. No. Don't you? I was allowed to take the 20 cents from people for the paper. Yeah. And, but, and I could put it on the put cash it on register, the till. you know, the bit. Yeah, leave it on the till. Yeah. Leave it on the till. Yeah. And mum would put it in. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, cash register. That would I could see you and Mark having that as an ongoing joke for the rest of your lives. We still say that, but do you yeah. get to use cash register? Best. Is there anything else we wanted to cover off today before we jumped into it? Um, no, I haven't really been doing anything this week. That's exciting. No, this week's note. been a bit boring. Did you go out to the castle last night for Palmer? No. Did you go to the beach for swims? Cause warm. No. No, I did have a couple of people over for dinner on Wednesday night oh, to watch. I had an invite. You were invited. I had oh. a dinner party. We had a dinner party to watch the explosive maths dinner party. So we were having a dinner party while they were having a dinner party to talk about the dinner party they were having. Did you throw wine at each other? Well, we talked about it. We talked about who we were going to throw wine at, um, who, who, who was going to cop it. But no, we didn't. However, maths is just really getting my goat this year it's really do you find that you have to turn it off sometimes we talked about that last week like do you can you watch it all the way yeah I do because I normally am watching it with either over text with someone or I've got someone oh, over yeah. together so so that helps I think having someone to to vent and bounce things yeah. off of you know with but what about the guy, the bi guy, and the girl who is matched with him, mm-hmm. which is I, f- I feel is very unfair 
on her part. I think why? Because I just think that I I believe that that's a that's a pretty big preference, you know, that you would be open to date someone who is bi. You know, when we're talking about sexuality, I think it's a big. I think it's a, 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 you know, it's kind of like a, it could be a non-negotiable for some people. It could not be. But I just feel that putting putting it someone who has clearly said they're uh, heterosexual with a bar, with someone who's bi, I think is is unfair. I think that, he, you know, if he had been matched with someone who has the same preferences, then 100%. But I just think to assume that someone is going to be okay with that I don't know. I don't think that there is a massive problem in it, but I can completely see where you're coming from. Mm. Um, I think our age group and above would have a problem with it. Yeah, you think um, the younger, younger I think the, the younger old. people don't because it's not saying I'm homosexual, I'm bisexual. No. So I'm open to both, mm. not at the same time. No. Like that's, I think that's the the things that mm, that there's some kind of I don't know it, it may it has made me question it because yeah. I have dated someone that's bi and I had a problem with it at, at a for a moment and then I had to go well what is my problem with it is it that yeah. he's with men as well or is it that I think he's with men as well at the same time as, as me. Yes. Because they're not. I mean, no. if they are they're cheating on you just like they would if they're heterosexual. I think that it, it maybe it challenges us in a way that um, being told that you're going to be matched with someone that swings both ways, which I think is an awful term, I shouldn't have used that, um, is more pansexual. Like, because I think he's pansexual. Mm. What's pansexual? Well, that's the other thing that I had to learn as well was that bisexual is being um, definitely into women and definitely into men, right? Right. Totally sexually attracted to both. Yes. Pansexual is you fall in love with with the person. person. Yes. Yes. And I think a lot more bisexual people are pansexual. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like us saying, well, we're heterosexual, but we don't, we're not attracted to every man in the world, are we? No. We fall in love with the man. Yeah, exactly. The type of man, not his. Lots of swipe lefts. Yeah. And it also makes me think, would would I go out with um, a trans man? Mm, And it's mm. funny, I don't think you and I have even had this conversation, but I've only recently found out that a friend of mine, um, a man, is a trans man and I mm-hmm. didn't know that. Right. And I would never have guessed it. Right. Is so, it something that they put I, out I, there I, openly, outwardly? Well, yeah, um, not like a beacon, not like a banner, but, mm. yeah, yeah, I, I, I just said something about transphobia on my Instagram and he has said responded with when I had my top surgery and I responded as if I knew but I didn't and the the funny thing is this is why I had to really think about and question things and have a a really nice chat with myself about I have found him very attractive um I would was then asking myself well would you still 
go out with him if you've given the like he would ne- probably never go out with me mm. but if that opportunity arose what would I be like yeah would I be able to be with a a, a man that yeah, was born it's yeah it's interesting because even now while we're talking about it I just I think I've I think I'm I think I've just realized as we were talking mm. that it shouldn't matter it shouldn't no, matter right. should it I'm getting like feeling sorry for her yes. that she's been tricked, tricked in a little yes. in a way. Yes. But really, like what he's doing is deceitful. Or people are people, right? So we yeah. shouldn't. It shouldn't matter. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, would you go out with a man who? I don't know that you know. I don't there's know. so many things about men and women that you. Mm-hmm end up being with someone and it has nothing to do with their genitals. It really doesn't. And it has nothing to do with their past relationships. Yes. And I think you project yourself into the situation and I know that I was thinking, God, if that happened to me, if so say if that did happen to me and I was on that show and I was matched with with a bi person, that that shows my judgment because I would be angry that that happened but I shouldn't mm. be yep I should be mm. just you know to each his own <laughs> yeah that's right to I agree I totally agree and that's what I meant like I know mm. where you're coming from but it has made me question it as well yeah that's um, made me have a massive like realization of- yeah but I had that kind of realization mm. before I saw it so seeing it on maths was like um oh this is wonderful this is so wonderful. He's open and he's not ashamed like some people have made people feel ashamed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if anything, it's open to great dialogue. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think, you know, have you ever heard of that uh, saying or belief? Um, I th- I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before because I've talked about it a lot with Angie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about judgment and when you first throw out a judgment, an immediate judgment, mm-hmm. never Which trust it. Never, yeah. ever trust your first judgment of anything. Mm. Always trust your second judgment mm. when you've thought about things because your first judgment is how you've been brought up. Yeah, it's your environment. Isn't it? Second is how you feel. Mm. Mm. And that's why, you know, often people be like, oh, first, first impression was like, oh, Jesus, and then, they think about it and they're like, oh, no, actually, I, that's not actually what I think at all. They There's a whole psychological mm. thing behind that that they say um, mm. your beliefs of how you've been brought up, how you've been indoctrinated, especially through education and religion, mm. is so in us that it's, it's an mm. immediate response. And then when you think about it and you think, oh, that's actually not how I feel. Yeah, that's so true. I just feel like I've sat down at a couch with a therapist. Mm. I feel like I've just had a welcome and I'll uh, send you my invoice. Because it's funny because I did, you know, when I really think about it, I think I think what I think is. (laughs) So think. I think. I think. No, I, I. I'm just trying to put it into words because I know what I'm. What's in my head? I think. If that was me and I was matched with a guy who said he was bi, 
I would be always feeling like I would was competing with men as well as women. Yeah, yeah. And it's a very, you know, sexy. And you would be, does, yeah. theoretically, you've just doubled your threats. Yes. But that is my own insecurity yeah, of like, God, exactly. now I've got to deal exactly. with men as well. Exactly. And that means you're going into that any relationship yes. thinking he, he's going to cheat on you. Totally. Oh, my mm. God. Hello. Here it is, Ding, people. ding, ding. <laughs> yes. Wow. It's my problem dating a bisexual man. That was exactly my problem. Yeah. Well, now I've got to compete with hot men. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't even compete with the hot women. women. Well, that was my problem, we just, not his we problem. Just, that, we just workshopped that so well. So well. Thank, Thank you. you. This Thank is why you. we're friends. We have a new segment called Word Up, and I do have a word. Yes. Well, I'm changing the segment a bit from Word Up, words or sayings. Where did they come from? Well, do you know last time I did it, it was actually not a word. It was a saying. So we might need to redo the whole segment. Sing up. Everybody say. Uh, Say it again, saying. <laughs> oh, say! How about say, say, say what you want, but don't yes. leave me. What about my direction? Say you, say, say me. me. Sayings say are fun. Yeah, naturally. Say <laughs> this isn't a saying. Mm-hmm. This is a custom, and where it comes from. Oh, yep. Um, most people got married in June. Mm. Okay, because it was the hottest time during, you know, this isn't ye olde day, so we didn't really exist because we're us. in the yeah. southern hemisphere. So yes. talk a northern hemisphere. Yeah. Um, because they actually also because they took their yearly bath in May. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that just conjured stuff, didn't it, for both of us? Ooh. You are literally holding your nose. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that. Ugh. And they still smelled pretty good by June, okay? Oh, that's However, nice. since mm. they were starting to smell, brides carried a bouquet of flowers to hide the body odour. Hence the custom today of carrying a bouquet when you get married. So you don't stink. Mm. Mm. Wow. Yeah, smell that. Smell my flower. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. God. And it was only June. Mm. They had a whole bloody 11 months to go. Imagine by April what bath. you smell like. Oh. And next week I'm going to talk about said bath. Good. Can't wait. Something for you guys to come back to. I love it. I love it. So it's kind of like early deodorant times. Oh, Just walk yeah. around holding flowers. Apparently deodorant didn't come out until the 40s. Yeah. Probably. Another kind of thing like Santa, Coca-Cola, yeah. um, marketing, yes. you know. Yes. We were told that we stunk. We didn't know we stunk. I mean, I reckon back then if you were bathing, bathing only every year, they'd know. You'd know. Oh, you'd I like, you'd know. You'd be like saying to your wife, Dal, there is a smell in here that's going to outlast religion. <laughs> anyway. Brilliant. 
Hey, if you're enjoying this episode, which we know you probably are, let's face it, um, can you do us a favour and subscribe? Mm. Review us? Mm. What else, Evie? Give us five stars. Oh, five stars, please. Thank you. Follow us on the Instagrams as well because um, when we remember, we do put updates there. We do. Chickstreet underscore podcast. That's it. And um, if you want to email us, you can. Mychickstreet at gmail.com. The end. Well, who have you got this week? Okay, so this week uh, I was inspired after watching the ABC special Brazen Hussy. <gasps> yes, and I still haven't watched. Oh my God. Yeah, Can I just say that? that I was sat, I was sat at my TV at the telly last night and I'm like, there is something, there is something. I need to watch. And I went on to ABC iView because I knew it was on there, but I could not think of what it was. And I'd finished Exposed. Have you started the new season? Started it, yeah. The Ghost Train. Yes. And I was like, what is it? Oh, well, go to bed. She went to bed. (laughs) You should have just asked me. What's it called? Brazen Hussies. Oh, is that what it's actually called? Yeah. And that's why we're getting... We're getting T-shirts made, by the way, with Brazen Hussey written on them, which um, I still need to organise. I mean, I know a few of you have said, yes, you're interested. Bear oh, with look, me. there's no rush. Don't there's no rush. rush. There's no rush. Um, and seeing as I do everything around here, it might take a little while. Yeah, just take your time as long as you do it. <laughs> but you take your time. Okay? You do it and take your time. So today I'm going to tell you all about Beatrice Faust. Oh, love it already, Beatrice. You know her? Never heard of her, but I love that name. So Beatrice Faust was born, Beatrice Eileen. Come on, Eileen. Oh, I swear what I mean. Uh, Beatrice Eileen. ruin every song? Fennessy in Glen Huntley in Melbourne. Oh, that's close. It's close. Yeah. Uh, in 1939. So, you know, I think we've pointed this out before, but I like doing women who are very local, maybe Melbourne, maybe Australia, and you like doing the overseasy ones, and that's good. I like this. I like the... It works well together, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It does. So when her mother was pregnant with her, the doctors predicted that her mother may not survive much long after giving birth as she had an, an anomaly with her uterine uterine canal. Mm. And their predictions would come true. Her mother would die shortly after giving birth to her. Oh. Oh. So even though the doctors... And her parents were aware of this condition. This still didn't change their minds about contraception. She had a boyfriend. She was having sex, but she wasn't allowed to use contraception. Her parents were strict Roman Catholics and of Irish descent, so contraception was a definite no, no. No, no. That's right, right. So just think about that for a minute. Even though this woman, they know if she gives birth, she's going to die. Mm, yeah, but you're dying for God. So, well, that's what you get. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. So he has a big plan. He has a big picture, oh, and okay. you carking it in childbirth is just yeah. part of it, mate. Yeah. So it's really good for your ch- child. Yeah, as well. Yeah. 
So she was raised by her father and also three great aunts and her great grandmother. So she actually had a really large extended family who were already in Australia. Her grandmother had arrived, her great grandmother had arrived in 1848 as a consequence of the Great Famine, also known as the Irish Potato Famine. (gasps) I remember it well. Do you remember it? Oh, no, that's Scottish. It's Scottish. Um, Oh, to be sure, to be sure, I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) It was a, so just for those who don't know, as a side note, it was a period of mass starvation and disease in Ireland from 1845 to 1852 in which many people fled Ireland and travelled abroad. A lot of people came to Australia. Australia. So Beatrice attended McRobertson's High School, McRobertson's Girls High School, where she was on the Student Representative Council, the SRC. I was a member of the SRC. And she what had, is it? SRC, the Student SRC. Representative SRC. Council. Mm-hmm. I had a badge and everything. Never heard of it before. Really? Never. Did you not have an SRC? Uh, no, I went to a public school. Oh. We, we hardly had a uniform. Oh, <laughs> Uh, she had the opportunity to be involved in debates and also edit the school magazine. She equaled top of the state in English literature and she won a major resident scholarship to University Women's College and a Commonwealth scholarship. Wow. She attended Melbourne University in the 1950s where she earned a bachelor degree in English and subsequently her master's degree. During her time at Melbourne Uni, she started hanging around with a woman called Jermaine Greer. They soon discovered that they both shared very similar views when it came to women's rights. So when Beatrice was just seven or eight, she remembers knowing about abortions and she remembers obviously given that her, the her mother had died, you know, straight after childbirth. Mm. It was obviously something that had had shaped her and her thoughts on this. Um, I found an article uh, on The Trove, which was from the Canberra Times in 1993, where when she's questioned about abortions, Beatrice says, I knew about abortions when I was young. Ladies sometimes needed them. Indeed, Gladdie over the road had just had one when I read that a doctor had been charged with performing a euphemism. So yeah, so I looked this up and I couldn't, and it was it was as though that's what they called. So a euphemism is a word that we use to describe something else, something else right? Something else, yeah, yeah. So I think at the time, so what I could find is they couldn't even bring themselves to say the word. So, yeah. but I would, found that um, even myself, mm. um, I've had two abortions and ringing clinic, they were both 10 years apart. Yes. Um, And still even 10 years later after the first one, they don't say abortion. They say termination. Termination, right. They won't say it. I don't know if they do today. I think we use the word a lot more now because we do use Mm. those words. Um, But, yeah, even the clinic won't say it. Yes, yes. So she goes on to say in this article, uh, that was what bothered me. How could the operation be illegal when everyone knew you could get them in Collins Street for £30? It was my first inkling that the law was an ass. I was seven or eight. 
So her and Jermaine, like her. yeah, her and Jermaine soon developed uh, a bit of a name for themselves, and they would become two of the first women to lobby for reform of prohibition of abortion and restrictions on contraception. In 1966, she co-founded the Victorian Union of Civil Liberties, now known as Liberty Victoria. So it was her and another guy who founded this. It's still in operation today and it's one of Australia's best-known organisations campaigning for civil liberties, human rights and democratic governance. But perhaps her biggest achievement came in 1972 when she founded the Women's Electoral Lobby also known as well it's well, a feminist well, non well. it's a feminist non profit self funded non party political lobby group their mission was to find out where each political party stood in relation to women's issues so that women could be more informed which would in turn give australian women a greater voice in politics originally the well campaign was based on six demands equal pay equal employment opportunities equal access to education, free contraceptive services, abortion on demand, and free 24-hour childcare. Mm. Wow. And it still isn't today. No. Yeah, exactly. This is making me angry. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to boil. She's starting to, she's starting to simmer. She's starting to simmer. <laughs> So in 1972, uh, to get this all started, what she did was she called a meeting of 10 women, 10 feminists at the time, to discuss an article by Gloria Steinman uh, who had written an article in the States called How Women See Candidates for the White House. So based on that article and what they were doing in the US, she, Beatrice, decided to come up with a plan to survey all of the candidates who are currently running for the election, for the current election. Mm to find out what their position was on women's rights. So she developed, her and the other women developed a survey for the candidates and they were questioned on their attitudes towards equal pay, equal opportunity, childcare, abortion and contraception. She convinced the Age newspaper to publish the results as a kind of a form guide, kind of similar to what you see for racehorses. So this person, this, these are all their things and how they, what they think about these issues and that enabled women to make a clearer decision about who to vote for. The current Prime Minister, uh, William McMahon at the time, guess how much he scored out of 40? 22. One. <gasps> the current Prime Minister scored one out of 40 and for most of the questions... He was asked. That's Julian McMahon's dad, by the way. Well, Danny Minogue should just, have known better. <laughs> I think she did in the end. She did in the end. Um, yeah, and for most of the uh, the questions that he was asked, he answered mm-hmm. with, ask my secretary. <gasps> oh, what an asshole. Boiling. She's boiling. She's at a three. She's simmering. She's simmering. <laughs> Now, Breathe serenity now. Gough Whitlam, who was also running mm. for Prime Minister at the time, scored 33 out of 40. See, another thing about Gough. Gough. Gough? Gough. My fucking name is Gough. But, mm. yeah, Whitlam. Whitlam. Mm, Whitlam. And Did he's a lot of good stuff, that guy. Yeah. 
He subsequently ended up becoming the next Prime Minister. It was the first time Labor had been in office since 1949 and many believed that Beatrice's form guide had a major influence on the election. Isn't that incredible? women really did come out in Mm. droves for this. I mean, everyone has to vote Mm. in this country. Mm. But, you know, it, it it was a time. It was a time. It was a time. So within two days, Gough Whitlam reopened the case in regards to equal pay and the decision was passed to give women equal pay for work of equal value. Mm. As a global first, Gough Whitlam also appointed a women's advisor to the Prime Minister. Her name was Elizabeth Reid and she was to provide advice to the Prime Minister and the Cabinet on all Cabinet submissions and assess their potential impact on women. So no one had done this before in the world and because mm-hmm. of this and all the lobbying that Well had done, he, Goff was like, shit, I need someone in here who is a woman who can advise me on what women need. Mm. And this really signified a change in attitude to women's issues and the value of women in po- politics. Within six months, the attendance at meetings in Sydney for the Well group uh, had reached over 100 every time they had meetings and they they were established in every state and in many regions. Well had become a national organisation. Their first national conference was in Canberra in 1973 and it was attended by 400 women and they mm. thought no one would turn up. They were really scared oh. about having, you know, this big empty hall yeah. and, then, and then they're like all of a sudden women just started coming in and there, there was almost like there was no room, there were no seated, you know, oh. seats left. There was standing room only and they couldn't believe. It really uh, says something, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, the group is credited for major achievements for women in Australia in relation to anti-discrimination and equal opportunity legislation, equal pay decisions and the funding of women's and children's services. The group is still in operation today and continues to focus on a range of women's issues. Uh, and if you want to have a look and check them out, they're at wellwel.org.au. wel.org.au. Just looking them up now. So as we know, as well as her work with Well, she also felt very strongly in relation to abortion law reform. So she served as president of the Victorian Abortion Law Repeal Association from 1966. Mm. She was also a prolific writer and during the 1970s she wrote regularly as a reviewer of films and photography exhibitions for the Age newspaper. In the late 1980s into the 1990s, she had a regular column in the Weekend Australian uh, and she was actually, uh, she called Jeff Kennett, well, she compared Jeff Kennett to Adolf Hitler and in, in her column and she was later sacked because of it. Mm. The uh, case went to trial and uh, a yeah, defamation case. That's a lot. Case. <laughs> It was, it's a lot. a lot. In the latter part of her career, she returned to one of her earliest vocations, which was teaching. She became a lecturer at uh, of English at RMIT and then Monash University. She has authored three books, her most famous being Women, Sex and Pornography in 1980. She was really big on censorship. Well, she was kind of against censorship and saying that, you know, women don't need to be um, protected from stuff like that, you know, we need to be involved in the conversation. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she said we need to find, and really early on, you know, we need to find our own 
ways of being able to express our sexuality and to understand that looking at nudity in females' bodies is not a bad thing and it shouldn't be censored, but it should include women and be done tastefully in the way that women want to see their bodies represented. So there was, I think, an article of like People magazine and of a woman in a dog collar and she wrote a big article about how, you know, it's not about sex, it's about how your sexism is about how you're perceiving the other sex, you know, and that Mm -hmm. that, um, looking at sort of women's sexuality is always seen as, you know, us kind of bowing down to to the greater sex. So in 2001, she was awarded a centenary medal for service to the community through women's issues. And in 2004, she was appointed officer of the Order of Australia for service to the community in the areas of social, political and employment reform and thought-provoking debate and raising public awareness of issues affecting women's rights. Okay. She passed away on the 30th of October 2019. She was aged 80. And so all through her life, she tirelessly advocated for women's rights and equality in government policy, as well as the right for abortion. Um, You know, and I've never heard of this woman before, but it's incredible that I think the change that she brought to the political agenda and Mm. that she is responsible for making Victoria a more Mm. gender equal state. Mm. So Yeah. And we've never heard of her before. This is exactly why we do chickstery. Exactly. Because these are the chicks that are not in the history books. Exactly. So And should be. She should be in our history books. Yes. So Beatrice, Faust, it's only a quick one today. Mm. But we do salute you and we thank you. Thank you. And yes, only died two years ago. Yeah. Not even coming up two years. Mm-hmm. What an incredible woman. Yeah. Did so much, you know, and 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 also like there was a lot of um a lot of articles that I read about her, you know, especially when this whole when the group had formed, a lot of this a lot of the press were reporting on the fact that Up until then, women had campaigned for change. You know, they had marched in the streets and they had made T-shirts and, you know, got banners and whatever. This was the first time that women could influence the political scene. Mm, And they did. And they did. And she was a big, had a big hand in that. She had a, she was her, it was all her. And imagine today I mean, if you, even if you looked at, I wouldn't even be able to tell you what, you know, Dan Andrews's stance is in Melbourne, mm. for example, on women's mm. issues. Right. Yeah. No. It's, it's such, a, it's made me realise that next time there is an election, you know, they're the questions that we need to ask yeah. these people, you know, where yeah. do you stand on these things? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we still have. Um, abortion weirdness mm-hmm. in this country. Like only recently Victoria became either decriminalised abortion or legalised abortion. I think right. it was already um, decriminalised. Right. But I remember the last time I lived in Melbourne, so that was there's a 12-year break between me living here. Mm. The first time I lived here, I worked for an obstetrician as a nanny and we got talking about it. She worked for um, and she her mentor was this man who was caught 
gagged because of what he he had performed um, an abortion, a late-term abortion on a woman who, you know, it ended up going to court and it was awful. It went for a really long time and no one knew what what the real details were because no one was allowed to talk about it. But that's when I found out that in Victoria, to have an abortion, you needed to go to the doctor twice. You needed two doctors to say yes, God, yeah, you you should have one. You can have one. You are deemed sane enough to have made that decision. Yes, and I, I, I mean, being from Sydney, that yeah. never happened. But I remember the very first time I had an abortion, how many people um, were in the clinic because you know you've got so much waiting time. Mm. Mm. So we ended up all talking to each other. Um, I reckon two-thirds of the room were from Queensland. Yeah, yeah. Because yep. it was illegal. Yep. And that was in 19, that was in 1990. I mean, they're talking in the, in, in the ABC special, Brazen Hussies, they talk about how there were just, you know, women put on trains on their own and sent to Sydney to still get, you know, backyard abortion, but you could get yeah. one, you know, you could get one. Well, you know, one. when I had mine, um, my first one. I was only 17. I would actually just turned 18. I was pregnant at 17, abortion mm. at 18. Like I did not know I was pregnant over my 18th birthday. But my mum knew because I fainted and I did apparently exactly the same thing and looked the same mm. way she did when she was pregnant. Right. Anyway, that's led her to tell me that she'd had an abortion in 1967. Wow. Or 66. Did she tell you about what happened? Well, she said it was illegal at the time. Yeah. And she had to go into the city on her own. Yes. And um, it was a decision her and my dad had made together because they were not married. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's all she knew And because I was going the next day on Mm. my own Mm. to Central Station from the Central Coast. I had to get up at four in the morning and mum had to pack sandwiches for me because I had to eat at six to do something at eight. Like it was all this Mm -hmm. and she couldn't Mm -hmm. come with me because we didn't want dad to know. Yeah, that's So I was going through it it alone like she had. Such a weird thing to me that that, that a man can decide what's right or not right for a woman's body in that respect. It's just it makes me. We live in such a better country than so many others. Oh, don't we? Don't we? Even even America, yeah. Like America. I'm not even talking like strict countries. I'm talking f- land of the free. Oh, yeah. Still having their decisions made for their bodies. Mm. Still having to fight. Like just um, the marches this week. Women holding up a sign. Old women holding up a sign that said, "I can't believe I'm still protesting this shit." Yeah, says it all, doesn't it? It really does. It really. And you know what? Beatrice died not even two years ago. And we are still having problems. We are still Mm. asking for rights over our own bodies in the world. I mean, she made huge changes, but we're still, we've still got so long, so far to go. We do. We do. It was a great episode. With someone, you know, someone and 10 women. She did an. Mm. In a in a lounge room, 
talking about how mm. are we going to make, how are we going to do this? How are we going to make change, you know? Yeah. And some of the footage from that show, you've got to watch well, it. Yeah, I've got to watch it. I can't wait to watch it. So everyone listening, make sure you watch yeah. it. It's on iView, Brays and Hussies. Yeah. Can't yeah. wait. The footage is incredible. There's so many good, and, you know, there's so many good, there's great footage of the women then and then the women now, you know, mm-hmm. getting interviewed mm-hmm. and then showing them back, back, you know, when they're marching and they're sitting in lounge rooms having conversations and they're they're yelling at Bob Hawke, you know, and mm-hmm. saying, you know, what about, what do you think about women's rights and blah, blah. You know, it's fascinating and you think these yeah. amazing women that have come before us and done all of this groundwork and we still have a long way to go, but, God, you know yeah thank yeah, you we've made some strides and thank you thank yeah. you thank you thank you yeah yeah and thank you for listening people thanks thank oh you're everyone. welcome thanks look at you you've got to the end so if you're still listening i'm just going to give you a few little credity bits executive producers of this podcast is me evie jones and of course annie potatoes but we've also got Sam Peterson. He's our producer, our editor, our wine boy, our whipping boy. He does everything. And he's also got a great podcast called Confessions of the Idiots. You know, if you all listen to us, we appreciate you. Follow us on Instagram at chickstreet underscore podcast. And you can email us at mychickstreet at gmail.com. <laughs>